And I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 6. And we're going to begin at verse 10. I've spent a couple weeks now on the armor of God. And I'm through that, but this is this message I'm going to bring today kind of ties the whole idea of spiritual warfare together. Uh, beginning at verse 10, this is what it says. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore. That's four stands. We're going to stand victorious against the enemy. We're going to stand strong. You're not going to fall. You're not going to fail. We're going to be victorious, mighty men and women of God. Verse 14, stand therefore, having girded your waist in truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me, that utterance may be given, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Let's pray and let's ask the Lord to speak to us and to change our lives. Come on right now. Lord, we just thank you for your word. It is a light and it is life. It's instruction. It's correction. And Lord, we ask that your word would accomplish all that it is intended to in our lives. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart that perceives what your spirit is speaking today. Lord, we just give you this time. We ask you to speak to our hearts and change our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. This is a very important passage. I've had a lot of tremendous response from what I shared last week about the sword of the Spirit. And I just want to let you know that you can have your armor ready. You can have the sword of the Spirit prepped and, uh, you know, you're battle ready. You're ready to take on the armor. But if you don't pray, you're going to be ineffective in battle. In fact, I I feel like prayer is where we actually get our marching orders. I believe that prayer is where we actually get the heart of God for why we're moving into certain battles or scenarios, whatever it may be. Prayer is where we receive the anointing. It's like, uh, you know, it's like the the oil on the armor that keeps your joints able to move and uh, and operate. If we don't have prayer, I'm just going to tell you, you can have all the pieces of armor, you're still going to lose the battle. Prayer is very important. Everything we do is built on prayer. I'm going to try and make this real clear through the message. I'm going to give you the points right up front. I'm going to spend a lot of time establishing the foundation of prayer. And, uh, you know, just less time on the other two. But we're going to talk about what it is to pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Everybody say, pray in the Spirit. We're going to talk about intercession. What it is to have focused, intentional, personal prayer. And we're going to talk about, really more, we're going to practice our, our prayer for, for leadership. And we're going, to, we're going to deal with that. Paul mentioned all three of those. 
But we're going to begin here at verse 18, and I'm just going to take some of the, the, the statements that he makes phrase by phrase. He says in verse 18, we are to always pray with all prayer. Now, what the heck does that mean? Always pray with all prayer. How many of you guys have ever had to do research papers? Uh, most of us, if you, you've gotten to high school, uh, we've all had to do, you know, any good research paper, and, and, you know, even as detectives, there's a lot of things, that, a lot of avenues that they'll encourage you to explore the five W's. Who, what, when, where, why. Some would also add one H, how. Uh, we're not going to do that much today, but who, what, when, where, why. And we're going to talk about that in the context of prayer. So who are we supposed to pray for? Well, verse 18 says that we're to pray for all the saints. And then he says that, uh, he actually asked, pray for me that I would be able to boldly preach the gospel. Pray for the saints and pray for anybody who's an unbeliever that we have the opportunity to share with them. Um, in other words, you could say, who we are supposed to pray for? Everybody. You're either praying for the saints of God and wherever they may be in their life, or you're praying for people to get saved. Hallelujah. We ought to pray for everybody. Who do we need to pray for? Everybody. When should we pray? Well, I just read it in verse 18 there. It says, praying always. How often should we pray? Always, yeah, you guys are getting this. First Thessalonians says that we are to pray without ceasing. That means uh, you never stop being in communication with the Lord. That's First Thessalonians 5 and verse 17. It's like my wife and I, we're in constant contact. You know, I know when she's going to Target. I know when she also stops at the farmer's market on the way, I know. And, and the reason is, is not because I'm spying on her, but she is in constant communication with me. She's always telling me, hey, I stopped at the farmer's market. They had flowers and they were beautiful. And hey, I'm going to go visit so-and-so and, -so and uh, on and on. It's just, you know, and it's not that we've got any kind of, you know, control or jealousy or insecurity, but it's like we're genuinely interested in one another. Can you imagine that? Are you like that with anybody? We actually like each other. I actually like to know what's going on with her. And so we're always in communication. And I believe that's how we are to be with the Lord. I feel like we're in constant communication with God. And that doesn't mean that you're nonstop praying. But I like how Smith Wigglesworth said. He said that there is, he says, it's rare that I pray more than 30 minutes. But he said, I never go more than 30 minutes without praying. And I feel like that's an effective way to pray. You're constantly, you're going into the grocery store, but you're mindful. Lord, do you have an assignment for me while I'm here? You're, you're, you're spending time at dinner with your family. Lord, do you have anything that you would like me to communicate with my children while we're sitting here at the dinner table? Maybe you're having a meeting at work. Lord, is there any way you would like me to conduct myself, particularly as I go into this meeting, that would reflect on you well? We ought to have this constant communication where we are always praying. Now, where do we pray? Well, if you're always praying and you're praying for everybody, you're going to start praying everywhere. And so you pray anywhere, pray in your car, pray at home, uh, pray at church, hallelujah. You know, you know what's kind of sad to me? I shared with the first service, this, uh, 
my, so we're coming up on the, the prophetic conference as a, is a special time of year because that's actually when we began Sunday mornings here at Kona. Uh, almost a year ago now. It was the last week in September last year. It's the first week of September this year. Uh, and that's when we began our Sunday morning services. But my wife and I, my kids, we moved over here in July, right around her birthday. So we had about oh, six or seven weeks, something like that. Don't laugh at me. I'm just, I had to think really hard to figure out that one. Okay. Um, uh, So we had about six or seven weeks where we uh, church hopped. Now, I'm not going to tell you the churches we went to, but one of the things that was stunning to me is all of the churches that we went to, there was no prayer for healing. There was no moment of corporate prayer. And I'm talking multiple churches. I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus. But there was, no, there was no salvation call at the end. There was no response to the message. One of the churches was doing healing time outside. After the service, you could go out to a tent over here and receive prayer. I was thankful that they did even that. But I was just stunned. Even one of the churches, only one, closed the service with any kind of blessing or, or you know, let's seal the message that we've just heard together. And I was just, I mean, honestly, I wasn't going in looking to be critical or, you know, even trying to observation. But it's like, my wife and I, we have moved here by faith to start a church. And, like, I would have been the first guy down to receive prayer if I had had an opportunity to. And I didn't even have the opportunity. You'll notice one of the things, you know, we live by the statement that Jesus made. He got mad at churches because they were they became houses of merchandise and not of prayer. And he said, my father said that his house will be a house of prayer. How many moments have we stopped to pray? And are, we opened in prayer. We had a prayer for COVID and health, you know, we stopped and we prayed for the nations, for, for Haiti, and we prayed for the Middle East and the rise of Taliban. We, we took a moment to pray for our teachers and ed- educators. We took time to pray for personal needs. We all took time corporately to pray one for another. We prayed over the message. You know, one of the great compliments that we've ever received, we had an evangelist by the name of Jonathan Shuttlesworth came into our church, and he says, you know what I love about King's Cathedral and chapels? He says, your services are pretty much Prayer meetings with brief interruptions. We're going to pray and pray and pray, and let's sing some songs. We're going to pray and pray and pray, and then I'm going to exhort you with the word. We're going to pray, and we'll receive an offering. We're going to pray. Oh, that was another one that I didn't even mention. We prayed over our giving, didn't we? You know, how how many churches have eight prayer focuses? And we're actually going to have a couple more at the end of service. I'll just tell you, we're going to break ten today. Hallelujah. And I have no shame in that. This is a house of prayer. This is a house of prayer. Why? Because prayer is what changes things. You understand, if God's presence doesn't come into our worship, then, you know, we might as well just sing anything. I don't know. Elvis is the first thing that comes to mind. I don't know why. But uh, if, if my preaching is not bathed in prayer, then all I'm doing is giving TED Talks. You understand? Everything must be birthed out of the place of prayer or it's pointless. If even these moments where we're encouraging one another in an altar, if it's not prayer, then all it is is just, you're going to be all right, buddy. Just an encouragement. An encouragement's fine, but I want to see transformation. 
I want to see bodies healed, man. I want to see marriages restored. I, I want to see people get saved. I want to see people transform. And it's only going to happen through prayer. This is the foundation. It is the lifeblood of everything that we do. I'm already answering the why uh, of why we pray. But one thing that I think is very important for us to recognize, Andrew Murray wrote a book. Andrew Murray is one of my favorite Christian authors. And he wrote a book called, Lord, Teach Us How to Pray. And he begins this book by making a very simple observation. You'll notice that Jesus was a tremendous preacher. He was a tremendous communicator. People were always coming around like, where did he get this authority? Where did this idea come from? They were stunned by the preaching of Jesus. But he never once taught his disciples how to preach. Jesus was a powerful miracle worker. There were individuals, sometimes entire crowds of people, masses who had come, not to hear the words, not to see a rabbi, not to meet this prophet, but to receive miracles, to cast out demons. And Jesus sent his disciples, you guys go cast out demons. And there were little lessons along the way. But you'll notice that you never see Jesus teaching how to heal the sick. Jesus teaching how to cast out devils. Why? Here's an interesting observation. He didn't teach on leadership. He didn't teach. I mean, there's a whole lot of topics that you could pull from. But one of the things that he did, his disciples, in the book of Luke and in, in Matthew chapter 6, Lord, would you teach us how to pray? Teach us how to pray. And he did. He gave us, uh, gave us the Lord's Prayer. He gave us many principles and concepts. And here's the reason I believe it's so important. Get, hear me on this, church. If you can learn how to pray, preaching will happen. If you can learn how to pray, miracles will flow out of that. If you can learn how to pray, you're going to get the heart of God for how you can effectively lead people or lead the workplace or lead your life group, whatever it may be. We must learn to be a people of prayer. This is what Jesus taught. Now, what type of prayer? How do we pray? Well, there's a lot of different types of prayer. Uh, in fact, it says here in, in, uh, in, in our verse here in Ephesians chapter 6, it says, pray with all prayer. Now, this is going to be fun. Now, I'm going to give you a list. And, and, you know, how do we choose from these? You'll notice that what we're supposed to do is pray in the Spirit or pray with the Spirit. There is this, there's this idea, and, and let me just tell you, what I, what I believe this is to look like most of the time is I know there's a lot of different ways that I can pray. Even, even when we're here in the altars and I'm praying for individuals, how do I know if I'm supposed to prophesy into their life, speak things into existence, if I'm supposed to quote Scripture, or if I'm supposed to rebuke the devil off of there? Those are all different forms of prayer. How do I know? Well, I lean into the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, how do you want to minister? I'll never forget, I was in India, and, 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 and we were having this moment where demon-possessed people were coming down to the altars, and they told us flat out, I'm demon-possessed, pray for me. You don't get a lot of people like that in America. I don't know why. But, uh, but there it's a part of their culture. And sure enough, the moment that I touched them, they begin to manifest demons. 
And and it was, a, it was a wild thing because, I mean, I've dealt with deliverance, man. I've cast out devils. I wrote a book called Dealing with Darkness about some of my experience seeing demonic manifestations and how we address those things. And we have different weapons of warfare. But what was interesting is as these demons were manifesting, I tried immediately quoting Scripture. The Bible says that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Oh, Satan, I command you about, you know, you just quote the verses, right? And so I took the Bible to no effect. Huh. I began to pray in tongues, to pray in the Spirit to no effect. I went through everything that I knew, and finally one of my roommates who was with me on that trip, he shouts over my shoulder and he says, uh, he says just plead the blood of Jesus. Yeah. All right. And I just go, the blood. And I watch the power of God like lightning just fly through this dude. He hits the ground like from here to that front row. I mean, it was powerful. And I go to the next one, the blood. Same thing. And I went and I started going through. Now, here's, here's the crazy thing. I've been in other situations where I'm just like, man, I've, I've found, I found the magic words, right? I found the key. And so uh, the next time a demon-possessed person comes, I don't even remember where it was, but I remember being in, in one particular, it was a house meeting. I need not go down this rabbit trail too far. I get excited when I start talking about casting out devils. I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, so we were in this one meeting, and, and there was a lady we were praying for, and as I began to pray, she began, I, I could feel actually, she began to grind her teeth as I laid hands on her. People around just thought, oh, she's getting blessed, like she's crying a little bit. But I knew the minute that I laid my hands on her, I could feel her actually grinding. I could feel it from the top of her head. And I'm like, oh, no, she's about to pop. And, uh, and sure enough, she did. She starts manifesting demons. And again, I go through this thing, and I'm thinking like, man, I know the secret words now. The blood. Nothing. Nothing. I take and I quote scripture. I, I try praying in the Holy Ghost. I try rebuking the thing and nothing. And finally, I, I just pause and I step back as this lady's in full-on manifestation. And I asked the guy who was with me, bring me my Bible. And so he brought me my Bible and I took my Bible and I laid it upon this woman. Um, I don't want you guys to think I'm abusive. I hit the woman with my Bible. That's what happened. And when I did, um, <laughs> she goes out under the, under the power of God. I didn't hit her that hard, okay? It just, uh, but I applied scripture to the situation. And, and for real, the thing went. And you're like, Whoa, but Pastor Jacob, where do you see that in the Bible? You don't, you know, you don't. Um, but it worked. That lady's free, okay? You know, it, here's... Uh, see, I know I shouldn't have gone down this road. Um, you know, people a lot of times, they'll argue. In fact, somebody sent me a, a thing on Instagram the other week. They're like, you know, Pastor Jacob, what do you think about this? And it was somebody who was arguing that Christians shouldn't bind and loosen rebuke devils. And my thing, I've had people send me that kind of stuff over the years. But here's what I know, and, and I can almost bet you money. That person has never cast out a devil in their life. I'm not going to ask people who aren't casting out devils what I am and am not allowed to do. Remember this one boy manifest demons, and he started coming at me with his fist like he was going to punch me. And I did not think in that moment, is it theologically appropriate for me to bind this spirit that is about to punch me? 
I didn't think that at all. Nope. In that moment, I say, I bind you in the name of Jesus. And you know what? I watched as if an invisible force grabbed this kid around his wrist and drew his hand to the side of his body. I believe an angel came and grabbed up that arm and put it down on the side of his body. Well, where's that in scripture? I don't know, but it worked. And that boy got set free. That kid actually ended up following me around for about the next decade. Was a deacon in one of the churches that I pastored. Uh, led a teen challenge ministry. God worked radically in his life. And so, uh, anyway, we need to be spirit-led. That's, that's my point. We're going to be spirit-led. There's a lot of different types of prayer. And we need to be proficient in all of them. Secret place prayer we see in Matthew chapter 6. That's you getting alone with God. Seeking his face that can happen in your prayer closet that can happen when you're alone It can happen driving down the road, but that's you and God alone You need to have quiet time. You need to have alone time with Jesus If the only time you pray is when you come to church or when you come to prayer meeting, you're gonna have problems You're gonna have problems You imagine if the only time I met with my wife was once a week when I went on a date with her And I never saw her or talked to her any other time We're gonna have problems you need to talk with Jesus every single day. You need to spend time with the Father God every single day. Uh, that's secret place prayer. There is the prayer of agreement. We practice this when we are praying one for another. When two or more are gathered, I'm there in their midst. There's a, there's a multiplied, there's a combined power that happens when you join your faith with somebody else. Yes, you could sit at home by yourself and pray for healing or pray for a job or pray for whatever. But there is a multiplied power when we come in agreement with one another. Share your needs with one another. That's what James 5 is. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another. And he goes through this whole list of things that will happen. You'll be forgiven. You'll be healed. You'll be restored. On and on. That's the power of the prayer of agreement. There's another idea called the concert of prayer. Oh, we're going to practice this later on in this service. The concert of prayer. You know what the concert of prayer is? Jonathan Edwards was the one who really popularized this. And we see it in Acts chapter 4. We see it in Zechariah chapter 8. This is when everybody in unison begins to lift up their voice and begins to pray. And uh, this is like Pentecostal madness, and I love it. Um, it's when we all begin to pray. And, you, you, you know, have you ever, somebody actually, Steve Hill made this statement one time. They were, uh, he was staying in a hotel above a casino, but to get to their hotel room, he was preaching there at a conference. He wasn't there to gamble. But he, uh, his hotel, he had to walk through the casino to go up. And I remember him making the statement as he was walking through. You hear all the, all the chimes and the, you know, all the noise. Uh, you guys know what I'm talking about? How do you know what I'm talking about? You shouldn't. No. So you go through, and it was just like this, all this noise, but when it all comes together, you know, you get close to one machine, and you realize it's just ding, 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 ding. But when you hear hundreds of machines all going off at the same time, it's just like this, this mixture. And he was walking through there, and he's like, this sounds like a Pentecostal prayer meeting. 
Anybody know what I'm talking about? One thing, you can come in and hear one guy praying, you know, from a microphone, but when everybody begins to lift up their voice, it's it's what they call a concert of prayer. Jonathan Edwards, in their meetings during the Great Awakenings, and he wasn't a Pentecostal man. These guys weren't praying in tongues, typically. But he would have the entire room, hundreds, sometimes thousands of people, everybody begin to lift up your voice. Everybody begin to pray. And they would all begin to lift lift up this wonderful concert of prayer, and he would make them do that until they felt the heavens open over their meeting. It was wonderful. So we do that. We practice that uh, uh, concert. There's times where I'll tell everybody, pray with your spirit. Pray with your understanding. Everybody, open your mouth and begin to pray. And that's exactly what we're doing there. Intercession. Uh, intercession is when you pray on behalf of somebody else. They may or may not know how to pray for themselves. You see that in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and Hebrews chapter 7, 25. Um, James 5, 16 would also qualify as intercession. This is where you pray for somebody. They don't know how to pray for themselves. Maybe they're on their sick bed. They're too weak to pray for themselves. And you go and you intercede for them. In fact, the, the, the simplest illustration that I ever heard of this uh, was a football illustration. Gabriel, I want you to help me. And Daniel, I want you to help me. Come and stand right here, okay? And, uh, oh, Josiah, I'm sorry. Whoever. Josiah, whatever. Just, yeah, come on, come on. All right, Daniel. So, and Gabriel, you're right here. Now, um, you know, I'll get you both in this. So, Josiah, come back here. All right. Gabriel. You're the intercessor. Josiah is the poor soul who needs prayer. Daniel is the one who's attacking. Okay? Now, now this is like real. You just imagine in football, right? He is on offense. No. These guys are on offense. He's got the football. He's the lineman. He's trying to take this guy out. You guys got the picture. Now... You're going to try and tackle your brother, so go ahead and start to move, and Gabriel is going to block the blow, okay? Go, go. No, block him. Block him. You better stop him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. You you know what this is? Should I have you keep on going? No, okay, all right. You guys can sit down. It's a simple, yeah. It's a simple picture, but you'll remember it. That's literally what intercession is. You're praying on behalf of somebody who does not know that they're receiving prayer or has no ability to pray for them. They may be an unbeliever or it may be a marriage that's in peril. They don't know that you're praying for them, but you are literally standing and at times absorbing blows on their behalf. Intercession is a heavy thing. Ezekiel talks about standing in the gap. How many of you have heard that Christianese term? I'm going to stand in the gap. Well, what in the world does that mean? It's like, I'm going to write a dictionary sometime. I think I'm going to publish this on Christianese terms. Like, what does it mean to pray for a hedge of protection? Am I praying for a bush of, you know, to surround this guy? Well, Job talks about a hedge of protection. You see, there's things like that that we just always say, traveling mercies. What in the world is traveling mercies? I don't know. That's not in the Bible. I actually checked, but uh, I understand the idea. But, But what was I talking about? Standing in the gap. That's another one. What in the world does standing in the gap mean? Well, there was a time where God 
said to Ezekiel, I was looking for somebody who could stand in the gap and I found no one. There was a literal and a a spiritual application. They were trying to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And what happened is there were gaps in the wall. And what the Lord was looking for was people who'd actually stand in this opening and protect the people who were in the city. The hole in the wall. And I'm going to stand in the gap of the hole. Ezekiel was praying that God would raise up people who would do that spiritually in the place of prayer. The tragedy of that text is God wasn't able to find anybody. And I wonder how often, you know, last night, no, two nights ago, I woke up, it was about 12, 31 in the morning, and then my wife woke up. And we're both awake, and she tells me, she's like, I was just having a dream, or maybe, I, I don't know, I just feel like there's, a, there's an earthquake. She tells me this on, what is that, Friday night going into Saturday morning. It's about 12.31 in the morning. And so she shares with me this whole thing about an earthquake. And we, she actually got online and just searched, was there an earthquake on the Big Island or what? We didn't know within an hour that earthquake would take place in Haiti. It really happened. Earthquake in Haiti, 300 people, and that's, that's the counting now. Prayerfully, it's going to, you know, not go any higher, but it may. But... Uh, you just imagine, you know, you, you just wonder, how many intercessors did God wake up that night to pray for that? You just got to wonder, well, pastor, people still died. Yeah, they did, but, you know, we got reports from our, from our missionary friends down there. They were unaffected by it. They're only a couple miles away, and they're going to become a safe haven for that. But you imagine, maybe if we didn't pray, maybe their mission base would have been affected. Maybe the, 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 um, the uh, fatalities would have been a lot higher than what it was. You never know the power and the impact that you taking a posture of intercession will have. It's hugely important. We're going to pray even before the day is done that God would put it in some of our hearts to step into that role as intercessors. I tell you guys, we desperately need people praying and interceding over this ministry. If God is going to accomplish what I believe he desires to in this church, you know, we're not just going to be able to finish a 500-seat sanctuary that we desire to build without prayer. Are you guys with me this morning? God's going to put it in some of your hearts, and God may put it in you. I am going to pray every day until we see every stamp of approval come from that planning department for that building project. God may put it in some of you. I'm going to pray every single day until we see a thriving church established in Hilo and praying for Minister Jeremy. God may put it in some of your hearts to begin to pray until we see that church in South Point established or put it on your heart to pray for different nations or to contend. Nothing is going to happen, and there has to be a, oh man, I don't have time for all this. You understand there has to be a persistence in prayer. You know that's what that word supplication means. It says with all prayer and supplication. Well, what in the world is supplication? Prayer, prayer is where we're contending for things to be released into the earth. Prayer is where we say, heaven come down supplication very often is tied to warfare because it's resisting it's pushing back hey the enemy's in my territory get out in jesus name you know uh, satan's dominating this or sickness is here 
get out in Jesus' name. That's what supplication, it's a pushing back of forces that are, that are present. But the other aspect of supplication, now this is very important, is it is a consistent it is, a, it is a constant pressing in the place of prayer. It's a persistence in prayer. It's repetition in prayer from the depth of the heart. I'm not talking vain repetitions. You pray the same thing every day, three times. No, that's not what I'm talking about. But heartfelt, this is what God wants to do. And you pray it, 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 and you pray it until you see it come to pass. It's that type of persistence in prayer that is required if we're really going to see breakthrough. I probably drive you guys crazy. At what part of the service is Pastor Jacob going to pray for a mighty revival to touch our island? I'm going to pray it every day, every time we gather, until we see a mighty revival poured out upon our island. How often are we going to pray for our lost loved ones to come to know Jesus? Didn't we pray that last week and the week before? Yep. But until all of my lost family and friends come to know Jesus, I'm going to keep on praying. I'm going to keep on interceding. Well, doesn't God already know? He already knows what we have need of even before we ask. Yes. But he said, ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. Then you will receive. There has to be a persistence. Well, where's that in the Bible? Well, Jesus said it, and the prophet Daniel, he said, you know, there's an interesting story. Worship team, you guys can come. I'm a, it'll help me close, okay? Daniel, amazing. Here's a man who's looking, and he sees his people in bondage. He sees them in slavery. He sees the kings of, of the region and area raising idolatry as the standard of worship, anti-God in every single way, and he has a burden for it. You guys know the story, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel's right in the middle of that. And Daniel is here, and he begins to pray. He has a burden, in fact, where we get the idea of the Daniel fast, fasting for 21 days for breakthrough, it comes from this story. And Daniel, what ends up happening is Daniel, he begins to pray three times a day. He's fasting meals, still working manual labor. He is moving up into an upper room where he begins to pray three times a day. And after 21 days, an angel appears to him. Awesome. An angel appears to him and says, Daniel, this is my paraphrase, Daniel, the first day you prayed, I was released. The first day you prayed, God gave me a response and I came with the answer. But as, as I was coming, there was warfare. There was a principality called the Prince of Persia. It was a demonic entity that was ruling over the entire region. And for 21 days, Michael the archangel and the angels of the Lord were warring against these demonic powers that were dominating that region and area. It took 21 days for them to experience breakthrough. And when that angel finally came through, he gave Daniel the response, spoke to him things that we still quote to this very day. Powerful word powerful breakthrough. In fact, it was very shortly after that that even the kingdom was toppled and new leadership began to rise up. Incredible. And you just imagine if Daniel prayed the way most of us pray. We pray once or twice and then we just kind of forget about it. Oh yeah, oh, we'll bring it up again. Oh yeah, on Sunday. Oh, I remember. I was supposed to pray for this. No, Daniel 
three times a day with fasting sought God praying interceding going after this thing until he saw that breakthrough come we need to have that kind of persistence friend we need to have that kind of tenacity. Do you think that, that your prodigal son, well, you know, you're just going to pray once and the devil's like, huh, I guess I'll just give him to you. You prayed once. Now, there's going to be a warring over their soul. There's a war over their soul. You think God wants us? Uh, you, think, you think the devil will just like roll over and let us have a thriving church in Kona? A thriving church in Hilo? You think he'll allow us uh, to break into new nations and establish churches over there? Well, you guys prayed for it and somebody gave it an offering. I guess that just my bad. No. There has to be a persistence and a pushing in the place of prayer. We got to be strong in this. Oh, man feel an intensity on the inside of me. Steve Hill preached a message of a book called Chocolate Soldiers and how many Christians are like we've been formed out of chocolate. We look wonderful, we taste sweet, but the moment we get in the heat, we melt in the pressure. God help us. God help us. We're not going to be wimpy. We're not going to be pushovers. You're going to get attacked in this life, friend. The Bible promised that. But we're going to be a people that learn to pray and to intercede and to war until we see breakthrough. In the name of Jesus. Well, why don't you stand all across this room. We're going to pray for a couple things. We're going to lift up a concert of prayer in a moment. But, um, I had the first service step out, and I'm inclined to do it again. Why don't we just try it? Let's just try it. If you're here today, and you say, you know, I feel like God is putting it in my heart to be an intercessor. I'll be one who'll stand in the gap. I'll be one if the Lord wakes me up at midnight. I'll get up and I'll pray. Maybe you've had experiences like that, and you've missed it. Maybe you never have, and you say, Lord, I'd like to, I'd like to be an intercessor. If that's you, I'm not going to beg you because this has to be something that burns on the inside of you. But if you're here and you say, I'm willing for the Lord to use me as an intercessor, I want you to step out from your seat right now and I want you to try and find a place down here at the altar. I'd love to lay hands on you. Yeah, come on. Come on, just try and make room. I'm, I'm sure we'll have many. Hallelujah. And just come up, just come up close to the front here. Hallelujah. 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 Mighty God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Raise up mighty intercessors in the name of Jesus. Raise up mighty intercessors in the name of Jesus. Come on, I want my ministers. If you just get to go and just to lay hands on these, Minister Riley, Minister Leah, if you just go, I want everybody to have hands laid on them. Lord, we just ask you right now to release the ministry of intercession over each and every man, woman, and child within the sound of my voice. Almighty God, I pray that you would increase your anointing over their lives. Lord, I pray in the midnight hour when your eyes are looking to and fro, looking for someone who will stand in the gap, for someone who will pray, for someone who will believe, you will find, Lord, in these men and women.
women who say, yes, Lord, I will pray. What are your marching orders? What would you have me do? How would you have me pray? Lord, I ask, make it clear abundantly in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, let's worship. I want to lift up a concert of prayer. I want everybody to open your mouth and begin to ask the Lord to pour out his spirit on our land in a new way. You pray in the Holy Ghost, pray in your understanding, but I want everybody to open your mouth right now. Come on, let's lift it up. Jesus, we cry out for a mighty revival. Lord, that you would touch and you would change and you would transform this land. Lord, you said in your word in the last days you would pour out your spirit on all flesh, on sons and daughters, on men and women, on young and old, on tribes and tongues and peoples and nations. And so we ask you, do it, Lord. Pour out your spirit in mighty and unprecedented measure. Oh, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we ask you, pour out a mighty revival. Oh, Lord Jesus, do what you said in your word. Lord, that sons and daughters would prophesy. Almighty God, all things dreaming. 
Spirit, Almighty God. Oh, we thank you for it, Lord. Oh, we thank you for it, Lord. Mighty God. Mighty God. Oh, hallelujah. 